Today we're going to talk about an alternate route. And uh, so we'll turn, or you can turn, or find it in your app, in Matthew, the sixth chapter, Matthew 6, and we're going to begin right here talking about an alternative route or a different path to take. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life, or literally I'm the path, uh, I'm the way, uh, you know, I'm the, the way, not a way, but the way. Jesus is the only way to God the only way of salvation, he is absolutely it. You with me? Period. And we need to remember that, that Jesus is the only way. Especially when we live in a world that wants to be tolerant, and then they tell you, you can't believe that. Right? They, they want everybody to be tolerant, and so then they want you to believe what they believe. No, we have to realize Jesus is the only way. And we need to know this, we believe this, stick with it, because it's the help of the world. It's what people need. And so if we would back down, then people could be lost. And the cost is too high. It's for too long. And so, you know, Jesus said, I am the way. But I will say this, even once we know the way and we're walking in the way, there are going to be alternate routes presented to you as a Christian. Temptations are an alternate route. Anybody ever had one of those? Anybody having one of those? You know, no, I'm having one right now. But people can be. They can be tempted. Good people. And they're tempted to do something they shouldn't do, and then they do it, and it costs them more than they wanted to pay. They didn't even know they were going to have to pay. But then there's the other side that there are people who resist them, and they don't realize they didn't have to pay. But there are alternate routes. And so we're going to look at uh, an alternate route today that every Christian will face, but we don't have to take it. You with me? Matthew, the sixth chapter the 34th verse, and you're going to wonder when I read this, how in the world do you get an alternate route from this? Matthew 6, verse 31. Jesus is talking here, and again and again he said, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And then here it says, verse 31, therefore, do not worry. He said, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Then he said, therefore, or because I said all this stuff, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. Well, don't worry. You know, if God just said don't worry, then we should realize there's something bad in it. I mean, if he said don't murder... And don't do certain things. And then he just throws in, don't worry. There might be something in there that's a danger. If, if worry meant nothing um, and was no big deal, then he would probably not say anything about it. Here's a side thought. Some people argue about things that God really didn't emphasize and make 
great claims, you know, and religious rules. Where God's not strong on something, we don't have to be strong on it. You with me? We can get in small wars if we're not careful over things that don't matter or have little repercussion. But this one is written about in the, all over in the Bible. And there is a reason why worry is not good. Worry literally means to have a distracting thought. A distracting thought. You ever heard of distracted drivers? You know, how, how often do they post something or there's a billboard where uh, there's a car that's just got a picture, it's just totally smashed, they hit a semi or a semi hit them, and it's just the most brutal thing, and then they'll say, don't drive distracted, don't text and drive or whatever. Why would they tell you don't do that? Because if you get distracted, you're not focusing on the right thing. Know this about faith. Know this about strong faith. Know this about victory with God. It works when you're focused. It doesn't work when you're not focused. You with me? It doesn't. And so when he said here, do not worry, he basically was saying, don't accept distracting thoughts that would want you to put your, or would try to get you to move your attention. Are you listening? Get your attention on something and place it there or accept this alternative way of thinking and focus. And I will say this concerning worry, it's always a negative, non-God-directed way. It's another path. God presents one thing, and then worry or an alternative thought comes to your mind, and it presents a different path. How many of you know this? Not all paths lead to the same place. Anybody ever gone, I got a little bit of time, I'm going to go exploring, I'm going to go down this road. Anybody done that in your life? And then you take off down that road, and you keep going and keep going, and you go, this is kind of cool, maybe we'll be, and then it's a dead end. Or you're way off course. Don't think that taking worry thoughts will get us to the right place. Everybody okay? Why? Because it's called a distracting thought. You know, isn't it true if you've ever ridden a horse? I'm not a, an illustrious horse rider, but I have ridden a horse. And the idea of a horse is to get its head turned because where its head is, it will go. Even when a horse goes to get up, they have to throw their head up first to get their whole body up. And thoughts will come to people, good Christians, to get your head looking a different way. And the direction you start thinking, you will start getting pulled there. You ever gone down a rough road in a car and thought, why am I driving on this road? It's like, eh. And, and that is very similar to distracting thoughts. It, it troubles the heart. 
they come and nobody can stop them from coming. Now, you understand this. Uh, we can stop from watching certain things. You know, some people, uh, the minute they've got something going on in their life, they go to the internet and try to figure it all out, and they just feed themselves on things that will make them worry. I mean, it doesn't matter if, if financial, physical, whatever, you know, and they just start doing it. And you, what you focus on, you start traveling down that path. So notice here he said, Therefore, do not worry or accept distracting thoughts. What is a distracting thought? It will distract or pull you away from what God says. God, an intended desire. Remember, we know the verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I have to you, thoughts of good, thoughts of success, thoughts to make you prosper. Well, a distraction would be to get you looking away from good things, good things coming to pass, and sending you down a different road. A road of not success of failure, and we should understand this, that if I go down this distracting path or this wrong path, it's, it's not going to be good. You with me? Even if the wrong doesn't turn out, it troubles the person who goes down that path. You with me? So notice he said, therefore I say to you, do not worry or do not accept distracting Thoughts. Do not accept them. Do not believe in them. You have a choice what you believe in. We all learned how to do this when we were little, remember? We can all go through the drill. Liar, liar. See, I knew you guys knew it. We all learned that when we were little. Liar. We learned. Liar, liar. Pants on fire. But then when you get older, people are like, yeah, I guess we need to worry. Whatever happened, you know, I thought when we grew, we got smarter. Kids know better, right? Liar. Liar. Don't say that. No, they're lying. It's a lie. And that's what worries are. Liar. Liar. We taught people to, to resist when they were little. Now we got to be politically correct and we can't say lie. Lie. That's a lie. No, we're allowed to uh, say something. Let the redeemed of the Lord say something. Right? Liar. And no, not just stop with liar. You with me? Notice, therefore, Therefore, after all this, don't worry. Don't take distracting thoughts. Don't get your focus on the wrong thing. Don't take distracting thoughts. Don't worry, he says, saying. In other words, once you adopt the wrong kind of speech, the thing that really gets the ball rolling is when you start expressing it with your mouth. And here's the thing. What you need to realize it's not expressing it like this. I'm going to fall apart. Everything's going to go bad. No, some of the expression happens like this. 
somebody could walk up to you, you've been thinking on the problem, and under your breath, if they could stick their head near your mouth, and you had a mint in your mouth, they might hear you go, I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? Oh, everything's going bad. I'm not going to make it. That is what he's saying. Don't take thoughts sane. Why? Because the tongue, the Bible said, is like the bit in a horse's mouth. It'll start turning your whole life. He said it's like a little match that will start a big forest on fire. Why is that? God made everything through spoken words. God made it so that if you would express things with belief, they would start functioning in your life. But see, the enemy tries to get faith to come too. But his is not faith. His is worry and fear. And it comes by hearing and by accepting it and then acting on it like it's true and beginning to speak it. And once you do, those laws get into motion. So you got to stop that. Right? That's why he said don't take thoughts that distract from, distract from what? What God says about you. How God looks at you. And he looks at you good. And then he said, don't take these thoughts sane. Start mumbling them. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Where are we going to get toilet paper? <laughs> right? I think we're getting back there. I've heard Costco's run out again. I'm thinking, great. You would have thought we already had enough toilet paper to last a lifetime. And people, what happens is the news will just tell you negative things. And then if you take that to yourself, then you're not thinking God cares about you and will provide for you. I mean, you got a tree in your front yard with big leaves. No, I'm sorry. That'll click later on. Somebody's going to go, gross. It was a joke. But you understand God will take care of you. He, he will take care of you. And that's why he was saying, and he goes through all this stuff, why you shouldn't think on these negative things. And he said, I'll take care of you. And he does it for birds and all different things of the earth. And he said, therefore, do not worry. Don't start taking negative thoughts. When we start taking negative thoughts and saying, we're not believing we serve a supernatural God who multiplied the loaves and fish more than once and then rebuked the disciples saying, we could have done that again a third time. Then when Peter needed some tax money in Jesus, Jesus said, oh guys, I just started wringing his hands and he got real sweaty palms, you know. And Jesus just said under his breath, I don't know what we're going to do. No, he wasn't distracted. He said, go down to the water, throw in a hook, the first fish you get will have yours and my tax bill taken care of. Peter goes down and does it, and he gets a coin and a fish to eat. You with me? So he pays his and Jesus' taxes. But if you look in the Bible, provision, and we're going to need to walk in this, is supernatural. And if we start getting distracted like Peter did on the water 
and Jesus said, why did you doubt? It was like a worry. All of a sudden, down he goes. Circumstances and stuff is going to come in these days. We are told that. I've said this about you know, Christians. It's good to know end time stuff. No doubt about it. It's good for me to look at my watch occasionally. Somebody's like, yeah, are we almost done? No, occasionally. Occasionally. I, I, I can't look at my watch all the time. That would be wrong. It would be not productive. If I just wa- looked at all, every time, all I did was look at my watch, and all, if all we do is look at end time stuff, it, it's, it's not right. We should know about it, but there should be, it should be tempered. As a matter of fact, one of the things about learning end time things is it said, as you see these end time things start coming to pass, don't focus on them. Isn't that interesting? As you see them come to pass, don't focus on them. Oh, no, but I need to know about the end time stuff. He said, when you see them come to pass, don't focus on them. Why? Because it's a different path to worry. It won't, that's not going to help you. I mean, it will let us know certain things. But he said, when you see these things come to pass, look up, get your attention on the Lord. Why? Because where your attention is, that's what grows. And so he said, do not do that. Don't be distracted. As a matter of fact, he tells us this in Luke 21 concerning people who will get their attention focused on these distractions and troubles. He said their own hearts will fail them for fear. What does that mean? They're going to have a heart attack? No. It means their heart, the part where they believe, will fail because of fear. Your heart does not work by fear. It works by faith and confidence, and it works by your focus. That's why Jesus said, be careful of these distractions that will take you down an alternative route. So he said, here are the principles of it. You take these wrong thoughts that would want your attention You begin to adopt them as a new belief, and you start saying. And isn't it interesting? He basically says you start saying, lack, and God won't provide, God won't take care of me, God won't help me. So he said, I'd never say that. Notice how it looks. Therefore, do not worry saying. Don't take these distracting thoughts, believing in them, and speaking. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? And what shall we wear? You know, it's about provision, protection. But seek first the kingdom of God or get your focus on Him. Be occupied with the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. If you attract what you focus on and you're only focusing on the distraction, you open yourself up to something that will suck things out of your life. But if you get your attention on Jesus and who He is, and then begin to let those things come out of your mouth and begin to declare, this is who God is to me. This is what God's doing for me. Notice, we'll be speaking totally different. 
If you would observe the Bible, this is how people got victory, and this is how people failed. Remember the children of Israel? I've given you the land. Go up at once and possess it. And they looked and said, we're grasshoppers in our own sight. We can't possess the land. These are giants. They're going to crush us. We're just like grasshoppers. What are we going to do? They spoke worry and fear, and they didn't possess the promised land. Two of them said, we're well able. God will deliver us. They didn't get distracted. You can find that type of thought from the Old Testament through to the New Testament. The ones that did keep their focus on the Lord and begin to declare and act possessed the land, possessed the good. You with me? But ones that got distracted or taken down a different route, which we would call worry or doubt, it did not help them. They, they didn't succeed. Everybody okay? We can succeed. So he said, but seek first. Don't say these things. Don't speak worry. Don't accept worry. Don't get your focus on the wrong thing. But seek first. Be occupied with the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Are you looking at things being added to you or taken from you? Are you occupied with things coming to your life or leaving your life? What's diminishing? If we will be occupied with what's coming, meaning what God says, our faith will rise. And when other people are worried, we don't have to be worried. Talk about being a witness. Talk about a witness. Can I get a... Never mind. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Verse 34. Therefore, do not worry. In other words, don't take distracting thoughts. That's what worry is. To get your attention away. To get you looking a different way. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. In other words, you're going to have opportunities tomorrow. It'll worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, you know, because some people will look at their life and think they'll start picturing the future being miserable. And it doesn't have to be. I mean, that's how Jesus even made it past the cross. It said he looked beyond the death of the cross to where he would be seated in heaven. And how people would be saved by what he did. And he said to us, we should use that same example. Learn to look beyond what you're presently facing. Learn to look beyond and focus on what he said. Are you with me? And these things will start to work. Know that God has good character to you and he hasn't gone out of business. He has not gone out of business. Just because we haven't visited with him doesn't mean he's gone out of business. I'll tell you what, when I first gave my life to the Lord, I thought, this is nuts. How in the world can not everybody want this? But my friends just lived on the way they lived. 
Now, I reached some of them, and they came to the Lord. But what it was was they didn't know. They weren't in contact with him. They weren't living vitally with him and experiencing him, and religion was dead to them. He is not dead. We're not interested in introducing some dead religion to people. What we're introducing is a living Savior. That's what we're introducing people to. We're not just introducing them to church. The only reason we introduce them to church is so they can get to know the living Savior. You with me? So that whoever comes can know Him personally, can experience Him personally, and walk with Him personally. And then they'll find out He's in business and He is not done being who he said he was. Then you get people who are fanatical all of a sudden. What happened? It wasn't, it wasn't just religion. It was going to him, knowing him, and finding him, and then life changed. Turn with me to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. We're talking about taking an alternate route, not taking an alternate route. But alternate routes are going to be presented to all of us. Matthew 14, 31. This is the story of Peter walking on the water. He started walking on the water. He was experiencing the miracle-working God. He saw Jesus doing a miracle, walking on water. And, you know, these guys had been around Jesus enough now that whatever Jesus was doing, they knew they could participate too. Whether it was casting out devils, whether it was healing the sick, whatever it was, they got to be involved in the miracle. So Peter sees, and the other disciples see Jesus walking on the water, and he thought, man, this is an opportunity to experience a miracle. Jesus, command me to do this same thing. Command me to come. And Jesus said, nah, this is just for me. No. He said, you could have a miracle too. You could experience this. In verse 31, he starts walking, but then we have a malfunction. A believer with a malfunction? In the middle of a miracle? And then we say dumb things like, well, if you think you're perfect, try walking on water. It doesn't have anything to do with being perfect. All of us can do this. All of us can walk on water. Somebody said, well, I tried that in my pool. I'm not talking about that water. I'm not too concerned about that water. But I am concerned about the water, the troubled waves of life that come to everybody at some point. Notice this, Peter sinking now, and Jesus says something to him. Verse 31. Well, let's read 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, what did that do to him? Distraction. Distracting thoughts. Distracting thoughts. Distracting, you could say it like this, worry or fear. It was presented as a distraction. All distractions are 
not good. I mean, we need to be careful about good things that are distracting us. How many of a good, good people have been distracted by something, went down a path that, that it was seemingly good, and you're wondering where they are with the Lord? We're not going to fall for that in these days. No, not me, not you. We don't have to. 30. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, it was that way before. He was afraid. You know, here's an interesting thing. If we don't watch the news, there's some things we're just not going to know. You know what I mean? We don't know Philadelphia this week has had riots and burning every night. Somebody said they have. Yeah, if you didn't watch it, you wouldn't know. Great, is that coming to our town? You know what I mean? Those thoughts start to distract. Oh my. It, you can watch it. Now, understand this. I'm not saying don't watch the news. I'm not saying bury your head in the sand. I'm just saying it shouldn't be your focus. Because otherwise you can subtly move to think, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? We're going to do exactly what Jesus said. And here, Peter messed up. But I'll tell you what, aren't you glad for Peter? Aren't you glad the Bible tells us this stuff? You say, why is it good that it tells us this? Somebody said, I don't want to fail. Well, one, it's nice to know other people did fail at some point, and they were able to overcome. The other thing is, is if we just thought they never missed it, uh, then and we wouldn't see maybe what caused them to miss it, so we could adjust ourselves. And so notice here, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid or he worried. In other words, he got distracted and beginning to sink. It didn't start, he didn't start sinking until he got worried, got distracted, got full of fear. He took a distracting thought, saying, beginning to sink. And he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand. So this means he was close. Caught him. I mean, I, I don't know. When I read this story and it says Peter walked on the water to go to Jesus, I don't think it was like, you know, Matt's right there and he's in the boat and he climbs over and Matt's Jesus on Peter and he gets over he's all, save me. No, he was walking to him. He was walking to him. And he's like, hey, 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 oh, oh. And he starts marching and he starts looking at the waves, which we know from the verses before were already like that. But he turned the channel and a distracting thought came. And he accepted it. It wasn't affecting him at first. And all of a sudden he started sinking and he was so close he was able to say, Jesus, and he stretched out his hand. And Jesus looked at him and he said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, we already looked at the word worry. We might be surprised what doubt is. Do you know it's also like an alternative route? Look at this. The definition of doubt is literally means to stand between two ways. One is a thought that's, that tries to pull you this way instead of this way. This is standing in two ways. 
That's what happened when he doubted. He really started worrying. He accepted thoughts that tried to pull him a different way and say, it won't work, but it's working. This is God's Word. Yeah, but this is a problem. It literally means double. Part of the word broken down means double and a standing, implying in certain which way to take. Didn't that sound like worry? One trying to make you go one way. One trying to make you, and then God's Word saying, let's go this way. And what we give our attention to either fills us with worry and doubt, because they're twins. Maybe not identical twins, but they've been together for a long time, worry and doubt. They work together. They're partners in crime. They're very similar. They offer you a distraction and an alternative route. One is God's way. One is a different way. One is a path that will not produce God's things, and the other is a path that will produce God's things. And so in 31, he said, Oh, you of little faith. Now, understand this. When he said little faith, he's not talking about like, well, how much money you got? Well, I emptied it out of my pocket, so I've only got a little bit. I got some change. Oh, you of little money. No, when he's talking about little here, he means length of time it's used, not amount you have. Because think of it, it says that they, in one place, it said they only believed for a little time, then when the storms came, they gave up. And it didn't produce fruit. That's exactly what happened. He only believed for a little time because his little faith, or little time he believed, he was walking on the water. If, if your page, think about it, if, if uh, you know, there, something happened to the printer and uh, we all got saved and we got Bibles and uh, from this verse, verse you know, 29 or 30 down, uh, from 30 down wasn't in there in our Bibles, we would all go, wow, Jesus. Jesus told him, come, and Peter walked on the water. Oh. Wow. 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 We'd all be like, man, Peter walked on the water. All you got to do is have a command from God and act on the command, and you're in business. And, uh, but the printer kept printing. So now we know the other half. But if not, we would only have thought the good. So Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. So that little faith produced results, or short-lived faith. Maybe all of us at some point have experienced short-lived faith where we were getting great results until we got distracted somewhere in life. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt or take this alternative path that was set before you? Wow. Worry and doubt, or doubt like worry, presents a different path that will demand your attention. I'll tell you, you got to look at me. You got to look at the problem. The only reason we've got to look at the problem is if it's the final authority, and it's not. God is the final authority. God's word is true. 
Let's close over here in Romans 4. Somebody who didn't take the alternative route, but was presented with it. And let me say this, in your life, there's not one person here that at some point is going to be presented with thoughts that are going to come to you that are going to give you an alternate route to worry. Let me make this statement. And those thoughts are probably at some point in your life going to persist in demanding you look and take this path. Because sometimes if you don't say that, people think it's strange. They're like, why am I worrying? Got these worry thoughts. What's wrong with me? Nothing wrong with you. Listen, the same waves Peter had to deal with, Jesus was dealing with. And that's why he said, you didn't have to go down, Peter. You didn't have to go down. Jesus, the Bible said, gave us an example of how to live. So he knew Peter could have done this. Now, because we haven't seen other people do it, maybe, we go, oh, that's impossible. But no, the Word says it is, therefore it is. And we need to not take thoughts saying it's impossible because then we're basically taking a different path. It is possible. I may not know how to do it, but it's possible. And I can do it. And I'm going to start going down that path. I'm going to figure this out. You with me? Romans, the fourth chapter, and we're going to close right here. Romans 4. Distractions, distracting thoughts, a double path. One path this way, one path that way. Which way will we take? Which way will we go? There are some paths that all of us in life have resisted. We can resist worry, just like it's of the devil. If we treated this like it was the devil, we might be less apt to give in to it. If we really looked at, because anything in this fallen world that is not good and is not of God, whether it's sickness, disease, any poverty, lack, lack of peace, is ultimately the extension of Satan's work. Now I'm not saying he's just directly in it, but indirectly because of the fall of man, it's not God's order. It's not God's order. So if we treated it like it was the devil, like worry was satanic, I mean, when you get to heaven, are you thinking, oh, I just wait, can't wait to get to heaven so I can just worry interrupted, uninterrupted? How many are thinking that? No, serious, put your hand up. You're just like, I can't wait to get there because I'm just going to worry so much and nobody's going to say anything about it. Nobody thinks that. People would think that's got to be hell. Exactly. Exactly. So if we think like that, then when this path is presented, we need to treat it like it's the devil. One thing you're told not to do is not focus on him. We're to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, not unto Satan and get our attention on Satan. And on devils, and devils are everywhere. No, we may have to deal with the devil. We may recognize these things, but our attention should be on the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus. Everybody okay? That's why distractions, 
even in certain areas of life that seem good, we've got to be careful of. Everybody okay? Romans, the fourth chapter. Isn't God good? Isn't His Word good to feast on? I mean, some of us are going to go eat food. By the way, there's candy in the lobby. Anyway, um, when we leave, but there's nothing like feasting on the truth and what it'll do for your faith. And what it'll do for you to walk with God and know God's for you. And you can overcome this junk. And everybody else around us might be sinking because of their stinking thinking. But we'll be able to just walk above and we'll be able to say like the psalmist did in Psalm 91. A thousand may fall at my one side and ten thousand at my right hand are going to sink. But I'm just going to keep cruising all the way till Jesus comes. Romans 4. Abraham is called uh, our father in the faith and our example of faith. Romans 4.19 says, And he was not weak in faith. In other words, he was confident about what God said. And he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old or the deadness of Sarah's womb. Notice what his faith looked like. He wasn't distracted by things that were contrary. He didn't put his attention on the problem at hand. Or at Sarah's problem, a family member's problem. His own and hers. But notice, he didn't waver at the promise of God. Well, what, was wave, what would have been wavering? Isn't wave, like we think of a wave, we go like this. Anybody notice that? What, is this a wave? No, this is a wave. And when we think of a wave, it's something moving. And he said he didn't wave or waver or go back and forth. What would he have, been, what would he have gone back for? The path that was presented. Remember? An alternate path. Do I go this way or do I go that way? Is it this or is it that? He got fixed even though there was a alternate path presented. What was the alternate path? It's not working in your wife. Look. And, and look, and, and there, it's not working in you. He didn't waver. He didn't go back and forth between the promise of God and what he could see and the problem. That's why he was not weak in faith. He just, and anybody can be strong in faith. All it has to do is just where you put your focus. When it's presented, you don't do what Peter did and go, oh, the storm. You stay with what God said. And here, just like that, he did it right. And these things are written so we can do it right. It doesn't mean he didn't struggle. Because we know at first he did. And we know she did too. But her faith got straightened out too. Notice this. He did not waver, go back and forth at the promise of God through unbelief. The unbelief would have been, God said this, but my problem, but the circumstance. When he got to the road, he didn't look at the problem. He stayed with the promise. And it says, verse 20, didn't stagger, waver, 
through unbelief, but was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God, getting his attention on God, and magnifying God. Verse 21, and being fully convinced that what God promised, he was also able to perform. I would say this, we probably all are convinced that what God promised, he's also able to perform. The issue is, do we get our attention sidetracked? You know, there's great lessons God can teach us in this life. You say, what do you mean? When he deals with you to obey him in a different area? Think about it. Anytime God deals with you, that's wrong, get rid of that. You know what you're doing? You're training yourself to not be distracted. You're training yourself not to live any old way and to go any way and to live by your own cravings and desires, but I'm just going to go God's way. Then when you're presented in a different area, you've already been training yourself. And when worry comes, you're like, I ain't going that way. And when it persists, you go, ah, something already tried to, make, tried to persist in my life and get me to go down this path. I didn't do it. So I've already killed the lion. I've already killed the bear. You are dying too. You with? Somebody said, well, I need to kill a lion and a bear first. Well, get after it. All it is, every one of us have been corrected by God. The Bible said there's not one child who hasn't been dealt with by God. So when he deals with us, we just obey him and not be moved by anything, and we're killing the lion. We're killing the bear. And then we get presented with this, we do the same thing. And if you haven't killed a lion and a bear, you can still do this. Everybody alive and well. Isn't God good? We're going to win. We're, going to, we're not going to focus on all the junk. We're going to be a bright light. We're not going to be clouded by garbage. Amen?